Today is Thursday, October 5th, 2023. My name is Alexis Briggs Brignoni, aka, again, like I said, Briggs, and I'm accompanied by my co host, the test data guru, the secret uncoverer, and the definition of a digital forensic analyst, the one and only Heather Charpentier. The music is Higher Up by Shane Ivers and can be found at silvermansound.com. Hello, hello, everybody, and hello, hello, Heather. Hello. There, we go. there, there you are. What's, <laughs> what's happening? <laughs> oh, nothing. How are you? Good, good. I'm here trying to... Uh... There we go. Get this show started. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> so welcome to uh, everybody, the ones that are listening live and the folks that will be watching or and or listening uh, later on. Um, Digital Forensics Now podcast, where we talk about all things uh, digital forensics and digital forensics examiner wise of interest. So there you go. So Heather, tell me, tell me about you. What's been going on the last two weeks since last we talked? Oh, just been busy. Um, glad that the celebrate capture the flag is over. Um, <laughs> we will have PT PTSID like one. one yeah, of the it's folks done. Say. It's done. Um, it was fun, and I learned a lot. But glad it's over. So that busyness <laughs> is done. Um, just been busy at work and planning for the next podcast with you. <laughs> absolutely. What's absolutely. been going on with you? Um, yeah, just working a lot of, you know, working cases, uh, doing a little bit of coding and we'll discuss it a little bit later on in the show. The community does great work and, and pushes us, us and vendors to be better. So I'm, I'm happy about that. And we'll discuss it. You're like, what is this guy talking about? Just, just hang <laughs> on. We'll talk about that in a second. Um, but no, you know, it's been, uh, again, it's been busy, uh, family, kids, you know, the, the works, but happy to be here. Uh, talk about things that, that we care about. And I know a whole bunch of people that are listening care about as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I want to hit on a topic that we talked about last podcast real quick, because I want to add a little correction slash addition to a previous statement I made about one of the tools we talked about. Mm -hmm. The SQL CMD tool that I showed last podcast, I talked about the map. Um, and those were are the SQL statements that run that tool that are used to go and um, hunt for the the databases and are used to parse out the information inside of the databases. And I had said that the they hunt for the database based on the name. And I just wanted to put in a little correction before we get started that. The name can be used, but it'll also find the database based on um, the identity query. So if someone renames things or you carve, it'll still it'll still find those um, databases. So just wanted everybody to know that before we get started tonight. Yeah, and and that's a tool that we talked about right last episode from um, Eric Zimmerman. It is. Um, it yeah, is to to kind of work those databases. So you know that's it that's a good correction. It is. And I, I want to also encourage everybody to try that tool out. I've been using it um, as a triage tool on my extractions prior to well, while I'm waiting for them to open up in some of the other tools. And it'll pull those databases and you can get started with your analysis on some of those databases that are supported with the tool while you're waiting um, for the, the rest of the extraction to parse. So um, really good tool. And I encourage everybody to give it a try. Oh yeah, the, the days are just sitting and waiting eight hours. I mean, if if you can wait eight hours for your 
for your <laughs> examination to be done. Hey, hey, good for you. You got plenty of time. Yeah, <laughs> but right. <laughs> but tri triage is now the, the name of the game. Be able to yeah. get to actionable data as soon as possible. So you got another tool in your arsenal for that. So that's that's pretty cool. Yeah, definitely. Um, so one topic that we are going to talk about tonight is the new FTK8. I think um, everybody has probably seen on all of the social media. FTK8 has come out with um, some new mobile support and uh, kind of a whole new look. So um, I have some slides actually to share about that. I'm going to attempt here to share. Ah, much smoother than the last uh, podcast was sharing the screen. But FTK has some new mobile device artifacts um, I wanted to share with everybody. <clears throat> You can still use FTK8 and have the same look as um, as you're used to seeing. The mobile data artifacts that they're supporting, um, they have a lot of app-specific support. So um, in my test data, I'm seeing support for Discord, Facebook, the iOS native, Kick, Snapchat, WhatsApp, and there's a lot more of the application-specific mobile artifacts that um, I saw supported in my iOS test device when I ran it through the new FTK8. They're supporting calls, conversations, messages, contacts, MMS, and SMS. And then new to FTK in the system summary tab, which is not where I expected to see mobile data. So be on the lookout if, if you're going to try out the FTK8 mobile data um, options. There are a whole bunch of mobile artifacts. So they're doing biome artifacts, which is really cool. Um, they're doing Bluetooth, browser data, email, health, knowledge, C, location, media, and a whole bunch of other mobile artifacts. I tested it out and it's comparable with a lot of the other commercial tools that you see that have supported mobile artifacts for quite some time. And then they also have a whole brand new look. I'm going to go back a couple of slides, actually just one slide. If you guys can see in this slide here, there's a little tab up on this tab called Smart View. So from the original look that FTK has, you can click the Smart View button and it will pop your artifacts that you have bookmarked or your mobile artifacts or any of your artifacts out into this new look. Yeah and, <laughs> yeah, and yeah, and, and folks, uh, folks that are listening for the podcast, right? If you're familiar with FTK, the core interface, which they've been they had for what the last 20 years, of mm -hmm. course, modifications here and there. Um, it's gonna be on the top right, and you cannot miss it. It says Smart View. What's that color? Is that Heather orange or something? Right? Yeah, they're all pop back. Yeah, and and the background of the core product is kind of like white. It's pretty like you know um, eye burning, and, and now that everybody's <laughs> moving to a dark mode. But when you hit Smart View, right? What the, the type of view that you get is uh, a more modern and also dark kind of dark mode, right? Right, right. Yeah. So now you have that dark mode option. You can, in the new smart view, um, change it back to like the white mode. I, I don't know why you would, but um, they have the dark mode now. Um, there's a whole bunch of new features and they're all outlined in their user guide. But I just picked out a few that I really liked in the new smart view. <clears throat> so one of the new features 
that I really liked is their new multimedia view. So in the multimedia view, they have the capability where they're stacking duplicates. And it's not just based off of hash. It's also the visual. So the visual and the binary copies. Um, but they also have a hover feature. So you can hover. Unfortunately, I don't have a copy of it here, but you can actually hover over the thumbnail and the image will pop out into a larger view of the image. So it'll pop up for you so you can get a better view of the image. I really like that. I I do hope that there will be the feature where you can turn that off in cases like CSAM though, because when you hover over it, the, the image just automatically pops up in a larger view on the screen. And I don't want that to happen in CSAM cases, uh, at least not for me. Um, and then they've added a whole bunch of the the mental health, mental or wellness features as well, where you can blur and hide the images um, in the media multimedia view. Another new feature that I really liked in the FTK eight in the smart view is the mini timeline view. So I don't have the full view of the smart view on the screen. But this is a section where um, I was looking at SMS messages and there are dates related to the SMS message here. And what you can do here is pick a date from the SMS message and click on it. And then you click on the mini timeline view and it'll pop out over on the right, the mini timeline. And it shows you what's going on on that device around that date when the message is taking place. So in my view, I was just chatting. So all of my timeline is showing chat messages. But if the person was Google searching or um, sending things or doing other functions on the device, you would see a little mini timeline of everything that was taking place on the device around the time of that message. I really think that's a cool feature in the new FTK8. Yeah, and and I mean, some of us are really, and I think Kevin DeLong was saying. Let me see if I can find it here. Find it here again. Happy to to have to have him here. Um, he was saying that you know he's he's used to that classic tap mode from the core view. Because, again, we've been using it for twenty years. Um, in, yeah. in my case, sixteen. Uh, but some some of the things that you know um, they could definitely, and I'm pretty sure they'll work on is how to make that um, transition seamless. Let's say I'm in classic or the core view. I want to take it to the um, to this new type of view, then be able to do it from that interface without having to go and click on the button and then try to backtrack where I'm at. So that's something that definitely I think they'll they'll be working on uh, in the near future. Yeah, definitely. And then the other new feature that I really liked in FTK that I felt like I needed to point out is their super timeline view. So they have another um, like toggle switch that you can click and it brings you out into a timeline of all of your artifacts. It is really heavy on filtering. Um, and my one critique is it can get a little bit busy in the timeline view. So the first day I tried it, I was like, oh, I don't know about this, but I've been using it for a few days now. And I think I'm starting to get used to the look of it and starting to get used to how it works. Um, that I think timeline is one of the major features that's missing from a lot of tools, like a really decent timeline feature. Um, 
So I'm really excited to see how this develops and see um, how in the future improvements are made to the timeline feature in this. I like the start and I I really hope it just continues to get better. Um, One of the things I really hope for the timeline feature as well as a way to create a decent report out of it. Um, I think that's a really important feature to have for any timeline view and for any tool for that matter. So, um, but those are the, those are the main artifacts that I really liked about the new version. And and uh, I want to make something clear for everybody because I, I we should have said this at the beginning. When we talk about tooling, be it free or from vendors, uh, we have uh, received from them as you know for 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 talking about their tool in the show, we receive a a grand total. I'm full disclosure, a grand total amount of zero dollars and zero cents, <laughs> and we receive mm. zero copies, zero free anything, right? So um, right. I'll be straight with everybody. We're not shields for everybody. We're not haters of anyone either, right? right. Uh, we talk about we try to see things that as they're coming out are you know fair opinions, um, constructive criticisms. But yeah, we don't receive any any type of kickback for any any of this. Just to make 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 sure everybody understands that. Um, and yeah, there's there's a lot of, a lot of uh, good things. Uh, it, it reminds me from the I think the first show I was saying well, FTK is now kind of like a e discovery platform, right? And you know, a few weeks pass and they're like, actually, we're catching up on mobile too. So I'm like, oh, well, take that, Briggs, <laughs> for, for talking out of, out of line. Um, so no, I appreciate the, the effort that the company's putting in to catch up in the mobile space because again, uh, we're not shield, but we're not haters. But the fact is that uh, FTK, AD Lab needed to catch up in regards to the mobile space. Uh, uh, and, and Heather, correct me if I'm wrong, 80, 90% plus of our cases are mobile cases. It's mobile uh, devices and mobile artifacts. Yeah, I would lean toward the for me uh, toward the ninety, definitely toward the ninety. Yeah, so so tooling needs to make that integration between desktop. I say desktop, but traditional computer forensics with mobile and mobile becoming a a, a point of of continuous development because developments in the Windows world, which is the main one, is pretty stable, right? Uh, an, an event logs and event logs and event log for years and years and years. And there was a change between the old version and the new one, but that happened how many years ago? But yeah, mobile, right. mobile, you got stuff coming out like constantly and and artifacts constantly, right? So it's a it's a change of mentality from vendors in regards to what are they supporting and at the speed that they do it as well. Right. Yeah. No, I really hope that they keep up with adding all of the new um, mobile artifacts and and catch up with some of the mobile artifacts that maybe they they haven't uh, integrated into the tool yet. Um, and I've talked about some of the things that I do like. I have some dislikes as well. The reporting is not there yet. Um, I'm waiting for a a great report to come out of the out of the new mobile um, out of the new mobile features. So hopefully, moving forward, there'll be a really good um, reporting feature. That's really really important to me. I think it probably is to most people, but that's the most important thing to me. If I'm going to go into this brand new fancy tool and see this great new interface and see all of these new mo- mobile artifacts, and then I can't create a report out of it that is presentable for court. I mean, and and not only not only this tool, all tool vendors. Look, if you put a visualization that's nice on on your product, how can I not make a report out of it? <laughs> Why right. do I have to screenshot things? And, and right. you know, this is for all vendors. I'm not I'm not saying this to the external. Yeah, no, no all vendors. All vendors. <laughs> yes. And and you you all know it. <laughs> if you yes. have visualizations, let me export it. Let me pick pick a, a a piece of it or whatever I have on the screen. 
and uh, and let me let me let me put put that out. <laughs> I want to talking about being not shields or nor haters. I like this comment from from Kevin saying that this week podcast is sponsored by the Leap Project, <laughs> 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 which with a hundred percent money back guarantee, just because it's, <laughs> it's uh, absolutely free. So thanks, Kevin, for for making sure you mention this the sponsor of the show. <laughs> <laughs> Um, they do have a portable case too. So I, um, I got a chance to look at the portable case for a, a few minutes. I think you got a chance to look at the portable case a little bit more than I did. Um, uh, yeah. And, and the portable, the, the portable case, I think it's, it's still a work in progress. No, I am really opinionated on that. And, um, uh, <laughs> of course that's why I'm here. <laughs> and this is the thing, right? I, I, everybody uses portable cases and nothing, there's nothing wrong with them, wrong with them, but I believe they're suboptimal. I believe that, and you know, to, Exteros credit, they have a platform from the beginning that's designed to be able to be multi-user. Let's say you, you're within that a local network. You can set an FTK installation with clients. And as long as you have enough licenses, you can have two, three, four, five reviewers hitting the same data set at the same time. And if you're looking to speed, and it's something I was going to mention a little bit later, but I think it's good now. If speed on working cases doesn't come only from having fast computers, although that's important, uh, it doesn't come from only having an efficient tool set, even though that's important. Uh, it comes from two extra things. The people that are reviewing it, the more the better. And the people that are overseeing that effort and putting the death, which is the people that are in the call, I say in the call, but in the, in, in, with here on the show and are listening on the other side, uh, the examiners themselves, which is what the show is targeted towards. So you are the one that put, pick up the speed. Now, portable cases, you, you, you kind of lose control, right? You want to put multiple people to review, you hit out this five, six portable cases, you're hoping that they come back <laughs> or maybe they don't. So then you have to be after people. Hey, are you done with your review? We're waiting on, oh, you lost the hard drive. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not that that's ever happened, of course, but there, there's, a, yeah, there's a loss of, of, of control and, and, and more overhead when you do that. Now, I understand that if you're in a lab where you're the one person band and you have the one computer and you don't have a network set up or not or a forensic network set up, then sure. Um, you use portable cases all day long, and there's nothing wrong with them, and, and that's fine. And during the pandemic, portable cases were pretty popular because people weren't able to maybe come into the office and collaborate as they as they were used to, right? Um, okay. But for efficiency terms, I believe network reviews is is way better. Xtero has it, and I, I think other vendors should follow that lead and, and and follow that lead not by selling me this overpriced thing. Like it should be a part of the core product. Hey, you're in the same network. You should be able to collaborate and have multiple people hit at that data uh, and no issue. Do that, do that review in, in conjunction. So, but yeah, the probable case are work in progress. I, I was privileged enough to see some of the bills that they're developing. Um, but I think we'll comment more when, when the full, the full thing is, is, is out. One of my thoughts on the like portable cases and reader type um, type of exports is a lot of times they're pushed out and portrayed as this is everything. So go through everything. And it's not, it's not everything. It's whatever you've put into that case or it's whatever is selected, right? So I'm not, not blaming any vendors for, for saying it's everything and, and they don't say it's everything, but sometimes it's like, it's portrayed as it's like this magic product that will make everybody's lives easier, but it really isn't. I don't know, it kind of paints a picture that it's everything in here's everything in your case. Take a look at everything in your case. And it's just it's not. So I'm just kind of weary with the portable cases and the readers sometimes just make sure that 
who you're giving it to, whether it's um, another investigator or it's your prosecutor, that they have an understanding that this is what we're pushing out to you that may be just parse data or maybe selected parse data. It's not everything in your case. Yeah, and, and it's human nature. We have to be aware of it. Like we're, we're really keen on talking about benefits the mm. tools give you, but we barely ever talk about um, the not uh, not negatives, but the limitations. That's the that's the more accurate word. The limitation right. of, the, of the tool, and if we as examiners don't do that, well, vendors are definitely not going to do that. <laughs> well, they're try, they're trying to avoid it, right? Because they're they're selling a product, and that makes absolute sense. But as examiners, we need to know that those limitations. And you, I believe, you're absolutely correct, Heather. And uh, whatever the tool parse is usually what falls in the portable case. So if you need to do more digging, then you're not going to do it looking at that portable case and and. Right. Not only the examiners need to know this, uh, the courts need to know this. If, if your stakeholder is you're working e-discovery for a lawyer, be it on the defense side or just uh, civil, they need to understand the limitations of you know, portable cases, no matter what the vendor is. And that is a report, right? The, the data is the data, right? That's right. not that's not the data. It's a report of the data. And right. with, with those limitations in mind, then we can actually work the cases, supplement them in the way they should be. Yeah. I, I agree with you 100%. Um, a couple more thoughts before before we move out of this. And, and it's not, not not really FTK, but just things that come to my mind. And when I think about, uh, you know, tooling, um, yeah, the, the artifact-based review is kind of like the norm now. Um, FTK came back, started with more of a timeline review, uh, not timeline, I'm sorry, um, Filter-based reviews. What does that mean for folks that are not familiar? Well, you use sort of filters to get to the data that you need, as opposed to the tool giving you filter artifacts on for the first go. Now, I'm not saying FTK doesn't do that. Of course it does it. But you can see the transformation, them going to that uh, type of uh, artifact-based examination. And, and, it, and, it, and to me, that makes sense. You want to make sure that the reviewers... When they see a little icon for chats, they get chats, web history, whatever it is, and they can go through that. Reviewers in a lot of uh, labs tend to be, like you were saying, the investigators, the detectives, the, the folks that are working the case. Then us, the examiners, we can go into the deep you know, dives or dig when they tell us, hey, we expect something and we don't see it. Then it's our it's our job to 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 do that, right? Right. So <clears throat> that means that the UI and the user interface for these people has to be self-explanatory. And look, if you tell me, well, I know, and this is for everybody, including myself, it, you know, this thing that you put in, um, if we tell people how to do it, they'll get a benefit from it. If I had to tell you how to do it, there's a problem, right? It, yeah. Nobody gives you a, a, an instruction book to know how to use a, a, an app on a phone, right? You right. just click around and you figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> your, your UI should be fig figurable. Figurable out. <laughs> I just invented a word. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I just invented a, a word. <laughs> yeah, so uh, so that, that's important. Don't don't make me read a, a thirty page manual right. as a reviewer. Now, if you're an examiner, read you read the manual. I expect you to read the manual, and I expect you to find problems with the manual and then fix. Uh, tell the vendors to fix them. Right. Yeah, you shouldn't have to take a class to figure out the report. Yeah, before, uh, from a reviewer perspective. And like I right. said previously, speeding up uh, work is not so much a function of tooling, which it is, but it's a function of your process, how you're reviewing and how you're staging your, your things. So right. um, just want to share those thoughts before we move to the next topic. So we can move on to the next topic, which is Mattia 
has a new blog that he is doing some testing and he's testing iOS 15 image forensic analysis and tools comparison project. I don't know if everybody's seen this. If you haven't, go check it out. Let me put up the blog here. <clears throat> so this is a project that he's doing with Josh Hickman's um, test data, the public images. It's um, the iOS 15 image. And it is a comparison of different tools in different categories of artifacts. So the project is going to be broken up into four different categories. And the first category has already been completed, which was general device information. So he's taken the iOS um, public image and compared parsing capabilities from Axiom, Physical Analyzer, Oxygen, Examine, Belkasoft, ArtX, and iLeap. And the general information section included hardware information, iOS and SIM card information, iOS wipe and setup, iOS basic settings, Apple accounts, and installed applications. He ran all of those tools on the image to see who parses what, pretty much. Um, and then he wrote a blog and created these charts. And if the tool parsed, the artifact, you got a green yes box. And if the tool didn't parse the artifact, you got a red no box. And um, this should be making the companies all go crazy to try and change their red no boxes to green yes boxes. And I watched, <laughs> I watched Alexis the second it hit the blog go crazy and change all of his red no boxes to green yes boxes within days. I think there's one left, right? One yeah, left? yeah. Um, well, <laughs> a little two, but one one's gonna be uh, just done uh, shortly when somebody finds the data that I need. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say who Heather. Oh, <laughs> I, so as soon as I find the data that he needs, there will be no red no boxes left. Hopefully, um, but it did a comparison of these tools, and um, I think this is awesome. This should. I guess, light a fire under everybody to make sure that their tools are supporting these artifacts. And a lot of the artifacts are, I mean, they're common artifacts that you would see supported in most of these tools, right? Yeah. So, I, no, I mean, that, that comparative analysis, like you're saying, is such a great idea and mm -hmm. which, you which you have more. And not so much because we want to, you know, put vendors fighting against each other but uh, i believe that vendors all vendors should support us most artifacts as as they they, they can right and um, there might be a difference in regards to how it's presented and that's a good thing right and i have more thoughts about about that those differences in a, in a minute but no what a what a what a great idea um and, and he he goes and says look these are the things that how the tools are reacting to this particular set of artifacts and then he puts the path and the file name of the artifact right Mm -hmm. So you got no excuse if you're a, a tool developer like myself or a vendor. Hey, look, here it is. You can go find it. Look, I find it. <laughs> Matia Epifani says, I, I found it for you. And for those who, know, who don't know Matia, he's uh, an incredible examiner from Italy. He's a mm -hmm. SANS instructor, um, <laughs> highly respected. I highly, uh, all the respect in the world for him. And uh, he comes up with this great content and, and you, you should be well served by looking him up in, in LinkedIn and in Twitter and in, in SANS pages, anywhere that he's at. 
Yeah, I I mean, look him up. Just look up his blogs and use his information for um, analysis. Definitely. Um, he's awesome. Oh, absolutely. And, and you know, going through this process, it made me think about, okay, so what happens, right? Let's say Matias does a whole bunch of these blogs, all the vendors, me included, whatever. We all start supporting the same artifacts, right? Um, so where's the difference, right? I mean, if all the tools show the same thing, then then what does that, what does that mean of us? For us as examiners, right, and not not so much for us. I mean, it's, it's good for us, but uh, for the vendors, right? Where where will there be some um, competitive? Will the what will be the competitive advantage be? Right, if you're a tool maker and there's competition in the field, where would it be? So I'm gonna get again give some opinions on that. I believe will be in a in a few fields. I believe will be in presentation, which I mentioned you know a second ago. Uh, part of the presenta- presentation is also the reporting of that data, the UI. I also alluded to it shortly, how easy it is to use and intelligent artifact correlation, right? And now Heather's going to, it's going to be like they say in a, in a, in Congress, a privileged motion time for me. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to take the, the, uh, my soapbox and start uh, talking. <laughs> so thankful. Thanks Heather for allowing me. <laughs> What's that? Thank you for allowing me to bring out my soapbox now and start. Oh no. Yeah. You go this. ahead. <laughs> <laughs> so, so presentation, right? Um, you, you, we're dealing with a lot of big data sets, so we got to start leveraging technology to make those uh, UIs responsive. And, and I get it; it's a lot of data, a lot, a lot of stuff to see. But our our backend seems to be strong, our UI seems to be strong. Um, we should be able to support multiple users reviewing, and our time to support needs to speed up. And um, I understand legacy code is a hard thing to manage, especially if the code base you're dealing with. In this vendors is 10, 15, 20 years or, or whatever. Um, but the developments are going way, way fast. And uh, the community is leading and hopefully vendors. And there's a couple of ways of doing that. Either you make your code base more streamlined or re-code re, re your project. Or you start integrating community projects within your tooling. And that's something that I think vendors should consider. Um, those uh, user scripts or user-generated queries Give more support to those, uh, so your tool becomes a platform uh, for investigations, not just a tool for people to just plain get what you give them. Hopefully, that makes sense. Um, uh, reporting, and this is where some of that AI stuff I think will be important. If I select some tag, I tag, I tag a whole bunch of stuff, right? Um, I would hope that there's some AI somewhere in there that could put some context, not context, but like a small narrative. Like, look, I'm picking up these logs, I'm picking up these files, I'm picking up these things. So it can create a little framework that says, you know, these items were picked and from this, this, and that, and the locations, and all that kind of be pre-written for me um, when I start doing my my narrative report. And I don't think that's a big lift nowadays with AI technology. Um, Because then the reporting of the tool goes beyond just the tags, but at least that type of drudgery work of putting paths, putting certain metadata points, the, the tooling could do like a narrative framework for you. So that's going to be a competitive competitive advantage in the future. If the narrative report can be part of it, be derived just from the picking of the artifacts. Does that make sense, Heather? Yeah, it definitely makes sense. I hope that reporting ends up being where the competition between the vendors goes next. Oh, absolutely. Because... I mean, that's what I want to see is the the good report. That's what I'm waiting for. 
and 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 reporting is like, like a never-ending field for for developments because uh, different fields will need different reports and even different companies will need different reports and even units within those companies will the different reporting needs and and, mm -hmm. and starting to get into that or integrating some well mature develop uh, reporting tools will be will be helpful now this is the biggest now this is the part that i really really am interested in in, in talking about to everybody the biggest competitive advantage i believe should be right what i like to call artifact correlation intelligence right it's a term that i just made up and i like it <laughs> so what does that mean it means that there is this artifacts on the on your evidence right things that tell you about events that happened in the past right um, where the where the phone was, the message that was sent, and the idea is that you can take bits of information from each artifact and use that to either filter the data or determine uh, how important uh, something is based on that aggregation. In other words, it's and I hate, I kind of hate this word; it's overused, but I'm gonna use it anyways. Synergy, right? Like the sum of these artifacts together is more than each one individually. Right, the value of the parts together is more than each part individually. Right, and I have a couple of examples. The first example, and, and I describe it verbally, um, it's a good job by Magnet Forensics when they came out with their correlations platform. Right, correlations for those who are not familiar is if in a if you put in an axiom in your case, you put five computers, three phones, five thumb drives, all in there. And they're related to each other. In other words, they're from the same house or the same case, the same owner, whatever it is. The tooling will go out and look for, for example, a piece of media. And it will try to correlate that piece of media and see if it's in other pieces of evidence there, another piece of media. Uh, I'm sorry, another, yeah, other evidence within your case. And if it's there, it will try to correlate it by its metadata. So you could tell graphically, that's the cool thing, like little lines connecting. The image was first seen in this computer. Then it was seen in a thumb drive. Then that thumb drive, then it was seen on the laptop, right? And you can see different timestamps as they move. This this image then was put in an email that was sent out uh, to this location, for example. It was also, this picture was also moved or copied over to this other thing that's like a, a vault for pictures. Does that make sense? So it could you could then... Instead of looking for the pictures and figure out where they are, the tooling will kind of track for you. And now if you have an, a piece of interest in that case, you can see that correlation among all your pieces of evidence. And I've used that successfully um, in, in cases to determine, um, uh, you know, culpability of, of a suspect and successfully. Yeah, that's that a really good feature. Absolutely. And another one that I'm really, really in love with, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show this to, the, to everybody. It's from Celebrite now. Um, and let me present it real quick. So what they've been doing, um, and again, a lot of credit to uh, Ian Whiffin and, and his team, they came out uh, recently with the uh, media origin feature in Celebrate, in Physical Analyzer. And what they do is, and if you're, everybody has worked CSAM cases, for example, know, knows that. And again, I use those type of examples because they're really, sadly, really prevalent. But we would need, sometimes we need to know where this picture came from. Was this picture taken with the device? Was this picture downloaded? Was this picture uh, received um, in some way? And, and by what app, right? So you can do that manually. I've done it manually for years. How do I do it manually? Well, I look at the picture. I figure out the timestamps. And I compare those timestamps, for example, within the, pic uh, the, the, the picture timestamps with the EXIF timestamps. And if they're the same, well, that kind of gives me a better feeling of, hey, look, that's pretty consistent with something that was been taken with the phone. 
But that's not that's not completely. Right? You, you you cannot make a determination just on timestamp. You need more data. The next step is okay. Let's look at the path. Is it if it's iOS? Is it in the DCIM folder? Well, if that's the case, that makes me more confident that possibly this was taken on the phone because stuff in DCIM is there because the user put it there, right? So that's even that gets you closer. I look at the S6 data, XF data again. Is the uh, device model or the camera, all that, whatever it is, on device information consistent with the phone that I have in my hand, right? If it says Samsung and the XF data says Samsung, but the, f- the phone is an iPhone, well, of course not, right? So it's a consistent and, and you get a, a better level of confidence and you can go to photos.sql like, um, uh, great, great job, Donna. We mentioned him before um, in um, by the Francis Scooter uh, on, I always um, forget his name. I, I say Francis Scooter, I forget his, his real name. <laughs> um studying photo la- photos.sqlite and within that database and ios devices there's a field for the pictures right that tells you what application generated it if it comes from snapchat if it comes from if it comes from the camera itself then that entry will be uh blank right now you put all of those and then you can say okay i'm pretty confident this picture came from the uh, i say came but it was generated by the phone or not but that's like that's if you're doing one picture that's great if you're gonna do 20 30 40 50 you're not going to do it by hand. So what they've done here, you can see on the screen, the folks that are uh, watching, you can see media origin filter there. And after after the tooling does its magic, you can filter on device capture. That means it was taken with the phone. If it's external, it was you know put in, downloaded or whatever it is. If it was something that's a camera associated with the device, like from a sync event, right? And the cool thing about this is that you can then say, okay, I got this case. I think there's production of illegal contraband. I'm going to go to kind of speed up my work and I go to device capture and filter all my pictures from device capture. And I get a leg up on possible production by looking for pictures that were the tooling is pretty confident, pretty confident, not 100%, but pretty confident that could have been done um, by the tool. And it's an amazing functionality. But notice it's, it's nothing inherent in the picture that tells you that. The tooling took all these data points make an analysis, right? And like I, like I mentioned a second ago, it correlated it artifact and brought out some intelligence, actionable intelligence for you as the examiner. We should do this more and more. I give you an example. Again, those see some cases, right? What if the tool could tell me, yeah, this picture is consistent with a possession charge. Now, we also, the, the, the tool tell me, well, all examiner, we also found that this picture was also received through this torrent application. Well, that's also consistent with a receipt charge, right? What if the tool tells me? Well, this this picture was made with the device, and it's not a, a, you know it's it's not part of the, your hash sets. It's possible that this is a production uh, image that you can charge production. Um, this picture was not only uh, received and maintained and kept, but was also distributed through uh, to Kick, for example. This would be a possible distribution charge. So the tool could make unite different data points through whatever uh, parameters you need. In my case, I gave up. That's that's what we both work. We work in the criminal um, law enforcement sector and give those parameters based on the law on what violations are. But you can think, we can think of an infinite amount of correlations we could do for civil cases, for all sorts of investigative endeavors, um, making more or getting to better, better conclusions out of the different pieces that the device has. I believe that's a competitive advantage of, of, of the future, and, and vendors should look into those uh, uh, div- um, 
kind of progression in regards to how tools uh, operate. And, Very and, and that, cool feature. That's, One that's word my, of caution. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's on my soapbox. Go ahead. What's, what's the caution? One word oh, of caution. The report will say device captured. Just, I worry a little bit that kind of um, maybe someone who just is brand new to forensics will go testify that it was 100% captured with the device. So just make sure that you have, I, I just want to make sure everybody has an understanding that it's not, it's not a hundred percent, but the, the idea of taking all of those different factors and bringing them together to have that, that understanding of where an image may have come from and how it got there and all of the, all of the different factors surrounding it is awesome. Oh, absolutely. And, and this is a, a, another, another big important point. Um, in digital forensics, and again, the, if you're going to testify that something was in a particular way, right? Mm -hmm. You're going to make sure that's the case. You cannot point oh, to yeah. the tool and say, well, the tool told me, right? Right. And if you're going to give an opinion, right? All this is consistent with this picture being there. You got to make sure you are able to sustain that opinion. Right. Just saying the tool had a little field that said device captured, that's not going to cut it. Um, and you're going to get in a lot of trouble if, if your examination it kind of has that type of, type of Top of crutch, crutch, and yeah, Chris is totally on point. He's saying that's where training is key, right? And as an examiner, to understand what the tool is actually telling you, and not yeah. assume anything about it. Right, one hundred percent. All right, so, um, yeah, so that's that's the, that's all that's all done with uh, <laughs> with future <laughs> development. So let's let, let's 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 uh, let's pivot now. Talk about keep about talking about tooling, but talk about open source tooling, Heather. What what do we got? All right, so we have some new Leap artifacts. Um, yes. I am going to share some new Leap artifacts that came out since the last podcast. And I'm going to try and share my screen here in a second. Let me just pull up the tool here. Like, 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 like Josh Hickman is saying in, in the chat, verify, verify, verify. Oh, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> and, and verify the verification, absolutely. <laughs> All right, let me share my screen here. Present. Yeah, I got I got folks in the chat saying, you know, a lot of people that that say the tool gave me the result and we, we shouldn't rely on that. So absolutely. Yeah. I've heard people say, I know because the tool presented it to me. And yeah, that's just a scary answer. <laughs> So. <laughs> Extremely. <laughs> um, so the first, the first artifact, new artifact that I'm going to show is um, is going to be the last car connection. Um, let me deselect all. In the, we're going to use iLeap for this, and there's a new artifact for a last car connection that was discovered since the last podcast no, and, and and if you're the, the first you, you never heard about i leave this if your first podcast you know oh, for yeah. most of you listening it's an open source tool that myself and maybe like a couple of dozen people from the community develop it's open source it's free mit license and we try to parse androids ios and other devices so so heather is showing uh, some of the new stuff that's coming into that tool so i'm gonna add a full file system extraction from my ios test device to iLeap and choose an output location. I'm just gonna throw it on the 
throw it on the desktop. And I'm going to just choose the, I think it's under identifiers. Yes. I can find it. Keep going, keep going down. See, that's why I need to use the load profile option. Just saying. I should. You know I have the profile. So I'm just going to load the profile. <laughs> but it's under identifier. So let me load the profile. And then I can show that artifact. Mm -mm -mm. I do have the profile right on my drive here. Yeah. And and the tooling on this, on go. the on the... Interface says low profile. What that does is if you save that profile previously, you can select any series of artifacts on the tool, like from one to 20 to all. And that way you can just um, load that profile. It checks the box on whatever artifacts you care about. And then it, 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 it goes. So. All right. Loaded the profiler. So I already have them pre-processed. Yeah, but I don't think I, I, you, you, I didn't see you load the profile though. <laughs> oh, I did. It said, okay. Okay. All right. Let me share my screen for the R here. Oh, awesome. Look at that. There we go. So the last car connection is from my car on Sunday. It's my Hyundai Tucson. On Sunday, I connected my test phone and it comes up in the location D cache P list. So that has recently been added to iLeap. And and it's and it's pretty funny because I was there looking for some of you know, Matia was saying, Hey, you, there's this data there that you should need as you use. I don't I think it was some the calibration UID or something. And as I'm going finding that piece of data, I'm like, wait, what's this? <laughs> it says uh, you know, last vehicle connection. So again, we're, we're using Josh Hickman again. He's on the he's on the chat, uh, you know, and he he's uh, his his image is a public test image, and I said, look, I got these timestamps. Is this accurate? And he's like, oh, is this, I put it on the PDF. Let's look. So he has a PDF that he explains in the PDF all the all the actions he took when he created the image. Um, amazing, and it was it was exactly to the minute. Um, the connections and a disconnection. In in the test data, you can see the brand uh, of the car, the um, as a Nissan and something else. In Heather's case, that's a MAC address, right? Yeah, yep. Mine came out with the MAC address. I was yeah. looking for the Hyundai Tucson, but mine actually provided the MAC address to my car. And, and I was telling Heather before before the show, I, I think that's better than the name, right? Um, because MAC addresses are pretty unique. That's what makes them, you know, a MAC, right? Um, right. One of the, one of the, big, the big things. So if if I have any question that this phone was connected exactly to this this vehicle, you got a MAC address to go off uh, way better than a name, although a name is good as well. So right. that, that was an, a, a, an accidental discovery of that artifact. <laughs> but I was looking for a different one. <laughs> Another... Artifact that was added to iLeap since the last podcast is voicemails, but not just voicemails, voicemails that have been trashed. So voicemails that are recently deleted. So I'm just going to pop that up again and share my screen and I will show you.
So I'm going to browse out to the same extraction, which is a full file system from an iPhone. And we'll throw that on the desktop as well, the extraction. And the voicemails are under call history. Leave. The wrong version. Voicemails were under call history. All right. Just going to pop up the report. All right. So it's, it's coming up. Yep. Yep. There we go. And awesome. so the first voicemail, it brings up, I have two voicemails on this device. So the one, first voicemail is just under voicemail and it shows the data about the voicemail, the date and time, the sender receiver, the ICC ID and the duration. And then there's a link to play the voicemail. And then just under that, there is the deleted voicemail and it shows the date and time, the sender receiver, and it, at, this one has the trash date. So the date that it was trashed sent to the recently deleted. Um, the cool thing about iLeap with these voicemails and the trashed voicemails is I ran this extraction in a couple of other tools. And the other tools that I ran it in get these two voicemails, but neither of the tools I tested it in indicate that that voicemail was trashed. So... If you go into the database in the other two tools, you can find the um, column that indicates it's trashed in the database, but you don't see it in the parse data. It just provides you that voicemail and as if it's a regular voicemail and it was not deleted by the user. Oh my goodness. So and, and what a great example of, of the need for validation and, and making sure that the tool is showing you what you need because the tool will not show you everything. And it makes sense, right? Let's say this voicemail right. data has 40 fields and you only need five or six. Um, but you know what? The tool maker might add it only four to the report. Right. So then what? If this is your biggest piece of evidence, yeah, these, these voicemails here, you need to know everything about those voicemails, voicemails within your data set. So the tool will point you to them, but it's incumbent upon you as the examiner to go in and see if there's any other data points that the tool is not showing you. And like Heather's saying, um, this shows you if it's trashed and some other tools are not making that differentiation. This was this was an addition from um, Johan and Polashek, if I say it correctly. And, and, and sorry if I mispronounce your name. Um, I, I did my best effort there. And and again, it's the, it's the community. Folks coming in saying, look, I discovered this. Um, this is available to everybody now. And, and hopefully the vendors can can follow follow the lead of the community. Yeah, definitely an important column to add to the tools. So if the tools know who they are, the vendors know who they are, please add that column because it's definitely important to know if the voicemail was deleted. <laughs> to say the least, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, so um, we, we have all those. We have all the ones from, oh, we have one more, right? The uh, uh, Yes, so uh, yeah. the torrent data. Yep, yep. And you were going to talk a little bit about the torrent data? 
Yeah, so uh, uh, I don't have a an ex uh, a visual to give everybody because the the, the data sets that I'm that uh, I, I use to create the artifact are for cases, and obviously we cannot reveal those. But uh, again, torrent data, and for those who are not familiar, torrent is a way a torrents are a way of distributing uh, multimedia to the internet, leveraging the power of all the people that are uh, in that in an in a peer to peer network. Okay, and again, for some cases, it's used a lot. So. It's, it's a great artifact because uh, data or torrent data, it's encoded in a format called BN code. And if you're an examiner and you're not familiar with BN code, you need to get familiar with it uh, since yesterday. Hmm. B encoded data is important in torrent cases because in order to, re uh, to receive or download from the peer network, the, whatever the media that the person is interested in, a torrent file needs to be obtained. Uh, just different ways of obtaining it and, and magnet links and it's beyond the scope. The point is that if I find those on the device and I'm able to see what's encoded within them, I can make a correlation between the media on the device and the files used to acquire that media or to share it out as well. And the tooling does that for you. It will take the encoded torrent files and show you all the parts inside that torrent and not the files themselves. The files are not in the torrent file, right? But the file names and the metadata of the data that's to be downloaded through the peer network onto the computer. And that's super important because now I can say, look, I have this image of contraband. It's in, the, it's in a directory that's consistent with downloading files. And now I have this torrent whose content, file structure, file size, everything equals this media that I have here. It's a, a great strong indicator. Look at the timestamps. Is the media, uh, if the torrent file predates the media itself, it's another good indicator that this was downloaded to the torrent peer-to-peer uh, uh, -peer network. And I don't think we have enough analytical tools for torrents uh, in this way. So that artifact is a way for us, the community, to show that there's uh, usefulness in this type of analysis. Yeah. We have the uh, Discord as well. Yeah, and and that's, that's that's a really good one. And I tried to uh, have a visual, but I wasn't able to get it on time. And it's one of those, and it will feed into the meme of the week, which we're going to be doing in the next two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> um, you go to Discord, and Discord, depending on what platform, um, it changes. A, it has changed a lot how is the data is stored. Um, I think Discord were was the first series of blog posts that people uh, made people aware of the type of work that I do for the community um, because it was new when I started doing that analysis. So I've seen that progression since the, since Discord came out all the way to today. And in Android, um, they used to have the messages in this single files, kind of text files, and they had a pretty unique to them encoding. And that's that you can find that in my blog, abrignani.com, search for Discord. Now what they've done now is they have a SQLite database, and that's fine, and they have JSON in it within that database, which, again, there's nothing nothing wrong with it. Um, my, uh, my, I, I'm laughing because my supervisor, he just retired, and I know he's in the chat just because of the comment that he made. <laughs> you want me to put that up there? <laughs> no, no, that's, that's fine. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It's, it's good to read you, man. All right, so, uh, so what they did was they they uh they put this JSON inside the database, which is fine, but they put a wrinkle on it, right? They put this this kind of hex values in front of the JSON. So 
if you're trying to use the JSON extract functionality in SQLite, what that does is you can tell in your query, say, okay, database, give me this field, this 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 column. I know there's JSON in it. So give me from that JSON, give me uh, this key and this key and this key, obviously, and the values that go with it. But that little hex value in front of the JSON breaks it because the, the database gets confused, says, hey, this is not JSON, right? And it's true, it's not. It's actually the, the, the coding for backspace. I don't know why. So... I figured that out, and what I did was I uh, I took out that value, and the JSON became legit JSON, and you could take you could take the the data out, and yeah, put that put that sit comment there. Yeah, <laughs> I have to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So for so it's data inside data, right? You got the SQLite database, and you got JSON in it, and a weird JSON with some backspace value in front of it. Take it out, and you can get it. And during the during that, that's an inside joke for for folks in the. Uh, there's an inside joke for folks that played the Celebrate CTF, the SID. Everybody in the, in the Celebrate was a question saying, what's what's the SID of whatever? And nobody <laughs> knew what an SID was. Now that the, solve, the solved questions are coming out, um, we all, then a lot of us discovered that it was a piece, of, an, an SID, an information piece within a nested data. I forgot, I think it's protobuf inside base64 or base64 inside protobuf, something like that. It was nested. And, and you'll, we will be seeing that more and more and more and more. Um, this is just one example of JSON inside SQLite, and that's 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 coming. That, that'll be there. So you need to be able to examine those data stores when they break. And and how, how did I figure this out? What was the need? Well, the agent was telling me, hey, uh, my uh, suspect's uh, we're talking on Discord, and I, you know, you parsed it. I didn't say parsed, but you said you gave me this report from Celebrite or from Magnet, whatever tool it was, uh, FTK, and I don't see no Discord here. You know, like there's no Discord. Well, sometimes the first reaction is, well, because there's none. <laughs> <laughs> but it, but if the investigator or the stakeholder has intelligence about something being there, and it's not there, it's uh, that's what that's what we get paid for. We need to go and look. Is is that the case or not? And it was there. It's just that it was broken. Uh, the tooling, and I think it's still broken right now. <laughs> um, the tooling did not recognize it because it changed format. It went from a text file, or not text file, but like a flat file, over to a database with JSON and a weird character in front of it. And as good examiners, uh, we try to make sure that uh, the vendors are aware so they can uh, update those that tooling and, <laughs> uh, and everybody can benefit from it. Yes. So since I mentioned the, because I mean, we're literally running out of time. So yeah. a great segue to show the meme of the week, right? And the meme of the week, I'm going to present it right now. And for the folks that are listening to the podcast, I will uh, describe it verbally. Um, <laughs> we have, you know, that big humongous airplane, right? The cargo airplane. They're so big that the nose of the airplane opens. And some people are laughing because they already read it. Uh, the, 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 the nose of the airplane opens and cargo comes out. And in this case, what comes out is another airplane. So it's an airplane inside of an airplane. And the caption is storing JSON in a SQL database, right? <laughs> and if I, show, if I show this to a friend, it'll be like, what? a friend not in the field, in our field, it'll be like, what, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, but you think about it. They're both data stores, right? Uh, the SQLite and the JSON, they're both planes, right? But <laughs> putting JSON inside of it, that's pretty much a graphical representation of it that you see there <laughs> on the screen. So, yeah, Chris is saying it's an, an, an Antonov. Uh, it's an Ukraine plane, I think, that they had some in Ukraine, but that's a story for another day. Pretty. We neat. have one last thing we have to do, though. What we have to do? The podcast giveaway. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Oh. Awesome. 
Saturday was International Podcast Day, and I put up a post on the podcast page asking people to follow, um, like, and repost a picture of Alexis and I with a bunch of funny faces from the podcast. A few people did it, and I have a giveaway, which I'm not going to say what it is. I'm just going to mail it to the lucky winner, and they can post it if they want to or just keep it a secret. But I am going to do the little wheel and present the winner today. So let me see if maybe I can share my screen. I'm not very good at that. Um, no, I, I, that. I, I, I like <laughs> that. So they, they, they can't say that that anybody got any, pref- any uh, what's it called, uh, you know, under the table deal, right? It's yeah, your, right. It's, um, all, it's all live here. You can see it. I even my few coworkers that um that followed and reshared the post. I'm like, you can't win. You're not going on the wheel. So <laughs> they're not on the wheel. But um, I put the names in. I'm gonna shuffle them a couple times and then hit the spin, and we'll see who wins. Yay! Look at that. Andrea Martinez. So if Andrea is not on tonight, that's okay. I'm going to send you a LinkedIn message and get your address and send you a special gift for following, reposting, and liking our post on International Podcast Day. That's and awesome. actually, I'm feeling a little generous tonight, so let's do two people. Oh, yeah. Let's spin <laughs> it again. Let me see if I can spin it again. Look at that. And Jessica Hyde. All right. Andrea and Jessica, I'm going to message both of you. You're winning a special gift. <laughs> yeah. And, and and thank you, Andrea, for, for being here live. So I'm, I'm so happy that you were able to see yourself win. So that's, 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 <laughs> yeah. that's, that's awesome. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> well, Heather, right. again, thank you so much. Oh, one last little detail. In case you're all wondering, it says be a fringe examiner uh, here on my on my little sign <laughs> on my over my shoulder. Um, B, B1. And what does that mean is, uh, that's a little backstory to that, um, but we'll tell it some other day. We run out of time. But be the examiner that that goes above and beyond, right? Yeah. That try to explore the fringes of the field, the, the things that are far out. And and let's bring everybody to that edge, right? Uh, to the, the most advanced, useful, dedicated that we can be. Let's all be French examiners and, and expand, expand those horizons. So it's a, it's a, a phrase that I like a lot, um, that I take it to heart and uh, I'm sharing with you, with everybody today. So be, be a French examiner. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Heather. As always, you're awesome and kind. I appreciate all the work that you do for the podcast and the community. And, uh, we'll be back. What? Another two weeks, two weeks. All righty. Well, with that, everybody, thank everybody that's been live. We we appreciate you. Uh, Troy is there. Uh, good <laughs> to see you and hear you and read you. Um, we'll see each other uh, next time. Take, All right. Take care. Thanks. You too. I think. <laughs> <laughs>